0: Today's episode of the ERP Advisor covers optimizing ERP for COVID-19 supply chain disruption.
1: As everyone knows and has been hearing on the news or just even if they've tried to go to the store and buy something, it's obvious that the COVID-19 coronavirus has created unprecedented supply chain disruption. But what may not be widely known is where the breakdowns occurred and how it happened. Can you speak to that for us?
0: I can. And I will give you this condition, right, that, that we're like ERP people, right? And there are folks that are just supply chain scientists and engineers and folks that go out and really, you know, have uh, degrees on supply chain management optimization. We don't. But what we do have is a lot of different kinds of clients. And in working with different companies and seeing some key trends, I think that's really what I wanted to share, you know, with you all today. So if you look at the current scene, um, I actually did a little bit of research in preparation for the call. And if you go for the Center for for Disease Control's website, they have a map of all the countries that have reported any COVID-19 viruses. And it appears to be about every single country in the world, except for just literally a handful. So we've never had this kind of a far-reaching event occur on the planet. I mean we've had world wars, we've had famines we've had we've had depressions but if you look across the entire history from my own research there really hasn't been anything in recent times certainly modern times where you had everybody impacted by the disease and of course, there's there's health and health concerns, right? That that people have been working through in terms of their employees and themselves and customers and vendors and making sure that, that folks are okay and taken care of. And but but the interesting part is the concern part. The concerns for health are are what's really impacted the supply chains of every single industry um, of those companies and and, uh, organizations, um, even nonprofits and um, government entities and lots of folks that we've talked to. So you have a lot of concern, you have a lot of cases in that happening. So now, of course, government is reacting and responding in the way that they feel is most appropriate. Again, we're not going to get into the specifics on that. But ultimately, we have a lot of people like we've been working from home. For us, as knowledge workers, you know, we can continue. We can keep moving forward, thankfully, with the internet and our laptops. And But our jobs and our processes are based um, very much remotely. But the issue where, where we see the breakdown amongst most of the businesses that we work with is on folks that work on-site and can only work on-site. And, and not just in terms of... Um, supply chain with, um, you know, organizations that are stopped, and certainly if you look at the airlines as an example, demand has just shrunk. They're they're just, the demand went from, I'm a big Southwest uh, guy, I love Southwest Airlines, every flight I took was packed to, I actually took a flight last week and it was 25% full, thankfully, 25% full, so that's good. So, so you see, demand has shrunk because people aren't out, they're not demanding for services, but then the supply also has been impacted. So we have this impact on both, both sides of the supply chain where that's not good, right? It's, it's, actually, it's actually extremely detrimental. And the other thing that's happened, frankly, and we've been a part of many of these projects with our clients, are supply chain optimization. When you hear supply chain optimization, that usually means less inventory. Um, With things like just-in-time and uh, certainly Kanban and a lot of drop ship uh, consignment inventory, a lot of these kind of newer, um, they're not so new anymore, but these theories on how to optimize supply chain meant having a lot less inventory, not just for you, but also for the vendor and the vendor's vendor and downstream. So we had this impact that... um, that occurred where, again, demand goes down, supply is low. And and interestingly, I think we've all seen this and certainly can all think of one product in particular where (laughs) people started to kind of freak out a little bit. Demand for certain household paper products went up um, and and the supply was low. And so all of the demand, all the inventory got sucked through the supply chain much faster than anybody thought it would. And then there's a gap. So you saw a lot of demand go way up. Right. And you also saw it go way down um, some luxury brands going, you know, the demand going way down. So so you have these huge fluctuations on the demand side, as well as the supply side being either staying with nothing, no demand for some of these products. But in most cases, you have a, a pretty big supply. Uh, or increase um, that from the demand side, they just shook all, just shook all of the supply loose. It's like, and now; there's nothing there. So, you know, as we see states opening back up, we're going to see this kind of gap. It's like a big void. You know, it's like a, I could think of several oil and gas examples for drillers and that. But if you think about a hose, right, where you're just shooting water out, the water just goes. That's what we were doing, right? But air has gotten in the hose. And so you turn the hose on, air comes out, right? That's what we're dealing with and probably will be for, for several months, depending on how fast things open. So yeah. it's, it's been a mess and it's been hard for, for everybody that we've talked to. And I, I think we're going to see, again, the impacts are not going to be just short term in terms of catching up. But these are lessons that people will never forget. I I think as all of us as professionals, we'll we'll never forget what's happened here. And so how we plan and how we do forecasting into the future, I think, is going to be different. We'll talk more about that here on the ERP side probably in a bit.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Sean. So kind of um, expanding a little bit more, can you go in depth on how analytics and forecasting can help predict a supply chain disruption?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, I think this one was impossible to see, although I think we all are paying much more attention to uh, viruses in uh, foreign countries in our own. So, um, but analytics and forecasting, um, we talk about analytics and forecasting are based upon models, and models means prediction, which is, is a bit of a, of a fancy way of of saying estimating, right? And and certainly not guessing because we have certain facts, but we don't know what the future is going to entail. So forecasting and analytics tools um, are things that are extremely valuable. This one, again, and there's probably even some folks on the call that have been doing their supply chain plans, and, and, and they didn't include COVID-19. So we definitely recognize that. Um, but there is another side of this, too, that um, – MRP material requirements planning, which has been around for many many decades now, you know I've never met a uh, an, an MRP person a planner that took the plan right out of an ERP, for instance, and said, okay, this is what we need to go buy, go. Like you don't even need to you don't even need me, you just go put the purchase orders into the system and go. That's not how it works. It's just on a call this morning with a food processor, and they're talking about that. It, it never works that way. So while you may have forecasting tools and planning tools. There always is the need for the human element, for sure, to take a look at that and make sure that it makes sense. But, but what I will tell you is, and we're really working with several clients even right now, like how can they make their forecasts and their demand plans and even their analytics much more accurate to, to look into the future? So knowing what we've been through with COVID-19, but but what really is a safety stock number, for instance, right? If we look at some basic planning for uh, supply chain planning and inventory planning specifically, what's that safety stock number? I will tell you that most of the folks that we're working with, they're increasing those numbers. Um, And maybe a little bit later, I'll talk about the impact of COVID-19 on just cash. That's what's gonna be really, really interesting if you ask me. On, and then into ERP and supply chain because now we're going to have more inventory. Who wouldn't, right? We're buying masks. We're buying different types of products. The PPE. You hear we was just talking to a startup a couple of days ago that's getting ready to do some e-commerce solutions around that. So, so the analytics and forecasting is always going to be important, and 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 but it really ultimately comes down to an organization doing the right plan, looking at the right safety stock levels, talking to vendors, and ensuring that as they're looking forward, they're keeping an eye on the past with an adjustment on on this situation that has occurred. So, you know, as it applies to ERP and software tools, we're really seeing clients like really interested in, in the analytics, the forecasting, and the planning that's pretty straightforward to do. So not big complex heuristic models, but How do we bring all this data together so an individual can look at it and make better decisions from it? I think it's always been that way, but man, that's super important today.
1: Just being prepared, I mean, for anything as we now know, right? Exactly. Right. right. What would you say are the primary components of a supply chain that can be optimized with ERP?
0: Well, if you think about what an ERP is, right, we think about it as a conceptual framework because it's not just an app anymore, right? There's multiple apps, but but they're there in place to manage and automate business processes. So you could look at sourcing, inventory, production, logistics, right? Kind of four different kind of from a manufacturer standpoint. If it's a wholesale distributor, you can pull the production out. There's usually some value add that goes in there, some kind of services that are put on. But if you start with sourcing, ERP um, is, again, it's only as good as the data that you put into it. We talked about that on the last question. But if we have really good um, uh, raw material information, our parts lists are accurate. uh, Boy, is that a big one right now. Um, Just as an example, we had a client that had uh, multiple branches throughout the country. And each branch kind of operated autonomously. But thankfully for them, before the COVID-19 hit, They had had kind of rationalized their parts list down to what was real. So now they're able to see, oh, well, these guys over here, this other location actually has some inventory that we need. The vendor saying, I can't get to that for another six months now. Oh, I think I'll get on the phone and do some horse trading to try to get some inventory from within the organization, sourcing from other parts of, of the country, even the world. So having a good, strong understanding of what you are sourcing, boy, this has really made it more important, I think, in COVID-19 to understand what are those raw materials. 80-20 rule, right? The Pareto analysis. Um, 20% of the items that we bring in make up 80% of what we consume. You better nail down your sourcing strategy on those 20%. And an ERP can help you keep track of your vendors. It can help you keep track of different vendors that can sell you the same part, same part number. You can have the ability to track systems in systems that way parts, as well as looking at terms and conditions and that by vendors, kind of basic stuff, blocking and tackling before you got to have that in. Mm-hmm. And if you look at inventory itself, as I talked about having really good, accurate inventory balances, frankly, when the economy is good, it's not as important and I'm sure there's, there's production planners on the call that are cringing. As I say that, I apologize. It's always vital, always do your cycle counting. I mean, you've got a, a year in audit for sure that you're going to have to substantiate your inventory balance, especially if you have uh, covenants against it. But having the right inventory number now is, it, it's it's not just vital, it's, it's, it's a must have. It's it's just part of playing the game. Like it's if you don't have accurate inventory, you could literally be destroyed in a matter of a week or two, even still, right? because demand is still just fluctuating and people are trying to figure out how to buy stuff right now. Companies are figuring out, companies are getting back online. So you have to know what's in your inventory. This is a really key area for everybody. Is maximize the inventory data that you have and make it as accurate as possible. And then I think on the logistics side, you know, same kind of thing there. Fortunately, a lot of the organizations have been essential, right? We look at UPS, we look at FedEx. These guys are running around. I mean, Amazon's running around. um, But even from kind of a B2B perspective, a lot of the third-party logistics providers, the wholesale distributors that were kind of outsourcing distribution, you know, these guys are really vital. So we have inventory that's in somebody else's shop that's being ready to be sent out. Uh, maximizing scheduling. We were just talking to another business the other day that, that schedules deliveries for appliances, and you know they're getting a lot more requests for demand right now. People are in their house, and they still got money. That's, again, I really want to talk to that point in a minute. So they're buying appliances. They're replacing old appliances and getting new ones. Well, these guys have to schedule and figure out how do we get our parts from our distribution centers, our warehouses out to our customer's, when um, our carriers are busy with other people, too, or third-party carriers. So, you know, if you really look at all of the just wonkiness, everything's just different, it all comes back to having kind of a fundamental understanding in sourcing, inventory, production, and logistics of what really is there. How much capacity do you have in logistics? How much trucking, how much space do you need to fill up a truck? like having all that data really defined and understood in your system. So those people are making decision. They punch a push a couple buttons and there it is. That's it's super, super vital. And fortunately, ERP can provide that.
1: Are there any immediate actions that can be taken to recover from supply chain disruption that you can share with us?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I'm going to talk a little generally um, and then I'll get to ERP too, but you know the most important thing is is getting employees back to batteries. Certainly health wise, certainly getting kind of the the new understanding of the CDC guidelines for working and and you know opening up shop again for sure. We're seeing different states are kind of approaching that differently, but we're seeing a lot of good, especially out of Florida, Georgia. I think a lot of good things are happening. The rates are going down, and more people are getting out. So. Definitely the first thing is is get your employees back to battery. Um, But I'll tell you, another really, really key thing to do is to look across your entire supply chain and and look for where you have the dependencies, where they're the biggest. So, for instance, um, looking at the meat industry recently, if you look at it, um, different meat packers and meat shops, they have... They, they funnel demand to certain parts of the, the food industry, right? It could be wholesale, it could be restaurants, it could be other types of businesses. And, and when one of those meat packers um, and, and, and meat processors shuts down because they have to clean, right, all their employees may be fine. Some of them had employees that had COVID-19. But the, the time it takes to actually clean a factory, and they do clean them already, but to this level, Shuts down production for weeks. We have another client that relies on um, basically lightweight trucks and even heavy-duty trucks, and they retrofit them uh, for um, electric motors. Well, Ford was shut down for a month. So, so now we've again got this big air bubble going through the supply chain. Their demand's still pretty high for 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 EVs, right? But but now as the supply is really coming online. You know, that you really do have to kind of look at, okay, what's that vendor doing today and what's their plan over the short term to get back up to speed? So I think having those really frank conversations with the people, with the organizations that you rely on the most is going to be more and more and more important. But again, there's other folks that are more supply chain scientists and engineers that can talk to more specific optimization, but that's something that we're seeing a lot of value in. ERP-wise though, especially if your employees do still have some capacity right now is, and I I guess I said this earlier too, but I I can't say this enough is data integrity. Like now is the time to get your data cleaned up, get your item list nailed down, get the total number of uh, your inventory counts, get them accurate, the locations down to the bin, if that's where you need to go looking at, Um, All of how your kind of information is pulling together and reliant on these key master data items, it's something that is a big differentiator for sure. Um, Another really key thing, too, I'm kind of throwing out a lot of ideas at everybody. I hope it's not too much, but this is what we're seeing with our customers. That's why we wanted to do this call. Um, Streamlining workflows. So we had another customer that was looking at their purchasing process and how things work. And there were some manual steps, which as as the purchase approvers are out of the office or even the people that are processing purchasing are out of the office, it slowed down their ability to buy product. And yet their vendors are selling out quickly. So they streamlined their purchase, uh, procure-to-pay process, you could call it, or P2P, made a huge difference for them to be able to be able to get an order in, get it approved, and get it over to their vendors quickly. So that streamlining workflow is a great thing to do. Um, Probably the only other thing I will mention here about kind of recovery from uh, the supply chain disruption, and again, working with another client right now, um, is getting... We've talked about omni-channel in the past. For those that haven't heard those calls, there's some great calls you can listen to on that, some webcasts. But how do you create multiple channels that your customers can get information from you and place their orders? Now, e-commerce right now is, is absolutely vital. And I don't think that's going to change in the future. I, we're actually sitting on a um, an evaluation or in kind of an analyst report that we're doing on Shopify being the, Canada's most valuable company all of a sudden, <laughs> which is amazing, right? That platform can, can drive um, so much revenue to an organization that they can't do today. We have a client that relied on salespeople that would go to industrial parks and sell industrial parts to those customers and create great relationships. Not only are the, uh, the, the customers not accepting visitors, but the salespeople are working from home, So what do they do? How do they change that? So, boy, accelerating plans to spin up e-commerce solutions right now is is super, super, super important. You can do that relatively uh, cost-effective to just get some key things up on your site. Um, We have a provider at my house that all of a sudden put up a website that I'd never seen before that was like, wow, these guys just threw this up overnight, and it's really made a big difference for them. So there are immediate actions you can do. Don't be a victim, and I mean that. There are things that can happen with software. Um, So it's really good.
1: So speaking of that, are you seeing any trends for the future for um, ERP and um, any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I I think there's probably a couple things maybe from a supply chain side that are then going to drive into ERP. And I I think a lot of supply is going to move domestic um, Mm -hmm. for for obvious reasons as well as less obvious reasons. but, but I think that's going to increase the, the, the cost of goods sold, if you will. And that's going to increase prices that then will go to, to ultimately to the consumer. But it will also decrease profit for kind of the, the organizations in between from the original supplier all the way through. So fortunately, though, um, again, staying out of too much of politics, but there's a lot of liquidity that's hit the market in the last couple months. Like all the money that was there was still there. And then all of a sudden, there's been trillions of dollars pumped in. So I think that's going to help to absorb a little bit of this kind of, uh, you know, cost price differential that we're going to experience. But I mean, I really foresee a lot of supply, um, a lot of manufacturing moving. Um, I mean, I think China's going to be impacted, of course, like Apple just recently mentioned. I read something on LinkedIn that they're looking at moving their some of their production to India. We don't know how much that is or whatever, but they'll always be. We are we are beyond uh, a domestic only supply chains. I mean, the world is one, which is great. We all rely on one another, so we better make good decisions for everybody. But I do see that that there will be more supply moving domestic. Of course, there's going to be international still um and then a lot more emphasis on how much inventory safety stocks going up how much inventory our vendors holding on to and kind of building back up the supply chain are probably going up a little bit higher which is interesting because again inventory costs go up but i think that'll be offset by the amount of cash that's been pumped into the industry we'll, we'll see for sure but then you've got the erp side of it and and these are really some key points that i want you guys to know that um there will only be cloud-based software going forward. So any vendor that um, is offering an on-prem solution only, they're not gonna make it. Even if there's, oh, we can put it up in a host and put it in your own data center and, and you know remote desktop or Citrix into it. Those the, the user experience and how those applications work is not the same as a pure cloud multi-tenant software as a solution application. And, And there's something in between there. We'll have that on a different call here about what that means. But nobody's buying on-prem software. And nobody's buying on-prem software that was meant to run on-prem. It's only going to be that that runs in the cloud. And that has major implications to some major vendors. So we'll talk more about that one later. But the other really great thing I think for, for for our customers, our clients, are that the prices of software are also going down. So as the demand has gone down over the last several months, I've talked to many vendors, software vendors, and the demand's gone down. They're willing to offset that with decreases in prices. So there's some great opportunities right now. And I don't think the price of software is going to come back up to where it was before. I think there's so much, there's, there's, there's so many software companies. It's such a competitive environment. You had a lot of people probably one, nine i'll say it this way nine out of ten deals that we were looking at nine of them said i gotta wait so you had 90 percent of the market just go away overnight and wow. then all these software vendors it's sort of like you know go to the grocery store and there's like a hundred different kinds of mustard i'm not a big mustard guy I do like mustard but maybe i only need three right maybe some people need 20 but 100 so right. i think the software we're going to see that smaller players in the software industry they're going to go out of business Right. And, and a lot of to room to,
1: for negotiation. Lots right?
0: of room for negotiation, that's right. And and, and I think the, the final point that I'd say is as a as a consumer of enterprise software, you really have to be careful. You really have to look at the financial backing that an organization has. Like how much money are they sitting on? They're not going to tell you that. But you can look at are they private equity backed? How long have they been with the private equity company? Does a larger software company own them? That's actually a good thing. But does a larger software company have a more flagship product? Because if you're on a product that's on a smaller customer base than their flagship product, they're going to migrate you just out of economics. So pay attention to economics as it comes to ERP. We're always around to help you. Just throw some ideas at you, but but Juliet, that that's basically what I would say.
1: Sean, thank you for that. I appreciate your time. Bye. Thank you. So, and we appreciate your time, everyone, for joining us today. Um, Please let us know if you have any questions about today's content. We're happy to help um, answer any questions you have and help in any way we can. Uh, Please join us for our next call, May 28th, The Inescapable Reality of E-Commerce in a Post-COVID World. In this next edition of the ERP Advisor, we will explore the changing customer experience and discuss how to find the best e-commerce software and CRMs in 2020. Please go to our website, erpadvisorsgroup.com, for more details and to register. Uh, Thank you again, everyone, for joining us today. We appreciate you taking your time. Uh, ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software advisory firms, ERP Advisors Group Advisors advises mid- to large-sized businesses on selecting and implementing business applications from enterprise resource planning, customer relationship management, human capital management, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications, which equates to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. Thanks again. Um, this has been the ERP Advisor.